My name is Jenny Bowden, and I believe that having the life of your dreams starts with doing things every single day that you're probably not very good at yet. I hope you come to this podcast daring to dream, daring to light your heart on fire, but also realizing that the end results of your efforts right now might be pitiful, might be so much less than you imagined they would be, and that that is okay. That is just the way it should be. We're back again, and I have another amazing woman and friend for you to meet. Her name is Elizabeth, and hi, Elizabeth. Hey, Jen. She's here. We. It's funny how some of these podcasts, well, all of them really, like that I've had a chance to connect with other um, other people on on here in this place. It's all been because of these conversations that have just kind of started and then it I don't know something that's just so organic and that is interesting and pertinent to our lives and um Elizabeth and I were talking we're at the pool with our well with my kids (laughs) the other day it was really awesome to be at the pool with another adult and who didn't have kids it was like such a treat day for me and and we had this great conversation. And do you want to tell us about some of the things you've kind of been mulling over over the last year about your role as a mother? Yeah, it's been a hard year for me. I went through being um, a single mom for six months of the year and um, just trying to figure out what my role was and fighting it a lot, not wanting to feel like the reason I was a mother and a stay-at-home mother was because... I was a woman and because I wasn't good enough to have a job or um, because my husband wasn't willing to, you know, be more fatherly or whatever. I I just really wanted it to be like equal and fair and I'm just like Lady Justice. And so I had all these questions and all this anger and um, I didn't want it to be anger. And so I just like thought a lot about it and like challenged myself and questioned myself and talked to lots of other moms and realized that I needed to just find ways to be happy with what I was doing and to find inspiration in it because I realized that um, that I was the best person for the job of raising my children and I created them and I love them more than anyone else and I am the one that needs to be raising them. And so, yeah, being away a little bit in the week if I had a really small part-time job isn't that big of a deal, but they need their mom. And so they need their mom to be happy. And so what can I do to enjoy being there and being their mom full time all the time? Yeah. And that's cool. And when we talked about it, you kind of ran through a list like, okay, they have this babysitter. She's amazing. She still doesn't love them as much as I do. Um, like their dad, he, not that he doesn't love them as much as you do, but it's a different, we've, we've all been there. We all see the difference in the things that mothers notice and care for and attend to than a father does. It's just, it's a different scenario altogether. Um, And and yeah, it was really cool to hear you just kind of go through that list and then have this come back to this realization of who is, if if I'm able to be there and able to be with them on like a semi full-time basis or as much as I can be, then then how can I really be 
involved in that role in a way that's so enjoyable to me. And that's what, that's what we want to talk about today. We really want to talk about how to be, if, if that's your choice, if that's, um, not that that's the only way to do it, but if you are at this moment choosing to be at home with your kids most of the time, how can you actually enjoy doing that? Because if we're being honest with ourselves, that is not an easy feat. Like not for me anyways, to wake up and put my feet on the floor in the morning and feel like pumped and juiced about the day is sometimes really hard. And I'm not saying like for any job that can be challenging, but let's talk about this job today. How can we do that? I, I love how you said that because I, I do have a part-time job and it's very part-time, but when I do get to wake up and go to like a conference call or a meeting or what, whatever, I wake up with that like, oh, I get to work today and yeah. I'm like energized. I get to wear my like fancy professional clothes and do my makeup and my hair and I get all excited. So how can I have that same like love for what I'm doing at home with my kids? Yeah. And so we kind of we narrowed it down to, what do we have? Four areas, really. Um, and the first one, this was kind of like my direction, but Elizabeth said we could talk about it. So let's go there. Um, I really liked the idea of rebranding. Um, and the first, the first direction my mind went to with this is a little embarrassing, but I actually have named my house. <laughs> it's called Rosalie Cottage, which is meant to be very idyllic even though my house is not always that way right now there's like saws in my living room and trim that's supposed to be molding that's supposed to be not in the middle of the floor but it is and sometimes we don't always speak to each other in a beautiful loving way but my house is called love rosalie cottage because i want it to be like that and i think um elizabeth and i both share this common interest of classic literature actually that's where we first met yeah. wasn't it in university and we're I think we went to the same church like in the same ward but we also were in a lot of the same classes too right yeah we were, and we were in our first English class together okay yeah. that's right was it that eight eight o'clock class was it an eight I don't remember what time it was I just remember some of the things that we learned in it and yeah, because I remember class. taking an eight o'clock class and thinking that wasn't that early, and then it seemed really early <laughs> in university <laughs> when no one's waking you up <laughs> and no one's making you go to bed. <laughs> so true. Oh dear. Um, yeah, so we have this shared interest in um, classic literature, and that is like, if you were an Anne of Green Gables fan, you know the importance of naming things. If you have read anything from the Victorian era, you know that all the beautiful homes have important names. And I thought this was so cool because when you think about it, a business doesn't name their business 101 3rd Street like that would what's what are we Nazis like no we can we can put more life into it you when you're naming a company you want it to stand for something you want it to symbolize something you want it to be kind of like a standard of what you want to give your customers and something to kind of like point you or get people excited whatever it is like there's a lot of thought that goes into that and so for me naming my house um is something that really 
even if it's just like a name that might, there's no sign yet. It's just like in my heart, but it really, it matters to me somehow. Yeah, I, I love that. I never thought about it until you brought it up. But when I was in university, we did have a name for our house. It was the parlor. Oh, I remember that, actually. Yeah, and, That's uh, so funny. And our friends had the manor. And then there were a couple of houses of boys that were Alpha and Omega. <laughs> and I just, I love it. Did they name their houses? Yeah. Oh, or, okay. <laughs> I was wondering if you named the boys' houses, but no, they did it? Yeah, I think John Layton named everyone's houses. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I... I just, I've always like been able to refer to that time of like, oh, when I lived in the parlor or the parlor girls or whatever. And I loved that I could like place that place in time because of that name of that house yes. and those memories. Um, whereas, uh, you know, I lived on a, on a road called Laval. And so sometimes we're like, oh, the Laval house. And, but when we were in it, we didn't call it the Laval house. And that actually does sound pretty nice. You know, I, I kind of wish I had, had done that because you think about like our families are the central central unit of society. Like society yes. is built all around families, really. And and so if all these businesses and companies and beautiful buildings all get these wonderful names, like why don't we have a name that that it is like supposed to mean what we want to have in our home and what we want our children to to like have a feeling of and yeah. Yes, exactly. And even if. I love that you brought up that example as like a past time in your life. Even if you're living in an apartment or a housing situation that you know is going to be temporary, those are temporary memories that you're going to want to be able to name and hold on to. So I think it's always an appropriate and and just amazing course of action to take. Name your house, first step. And um, I watched a little bit of uh, the Marie Kondo tidying up on Netflix, yeah. and I just love that, it seems kind of silly probably, but I love that she comes in, and she like kneels down, and she, she welcomes herself to the house, and like gets acquainted with the house, just kind of looks like she's praying or something. Yes. And I just, I think that's really beautiful, and that, that, that same thing like reminds, like it's like respect for like the place that you're living in, and it's, it's keeping you sheltered, and and, you know, keeping you safe from all of the storms and the crazy wind we have here and all the smells out in the feedlot and, you know, like <laughs> everything else. It's, it's really something we should be really grateful for. And that's kind of also a way to just like show that we're grateful for it is, is like we have a name for it. I don't know. Yeah, I love, I love it. That's so good. Okay, um, so along the same lines of rebranding, there's another thing we need to talk about. And that is our job description. Okay, Elizabeth and I are both home with our kids on a full-time basis, but what do you put on the form when someone asks you what your job occupation is? That's like, for me, Elizabeth, you said you like, don't even go there. <laughs> Just put like... Not applicable. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and for me, I... I have a, like I always am stumped every single time <laughs> I just sit there and look at it because I want to put something I want to own what I'm doing and I don't know what to say and I've actually I've taken this so seriously like I've been so sad about I don't know I think I I switch between a few different options just saying like mother or but that sounds not quite right either like that sounds very passive where I feel like my role is very active and I've tried you know stay-at-home mom or homemaker and I've even gone home and felt like none of that feels like it describes what I do and so I've, I've googled it and the best one the closest one that I've found is domestic goddess so <laughs> I've never had the courage to put it on a form <laughs> I love that 
just I actually corrected hands the other day he I feel like we have the tendency to say just I'm what do you do oh I'm just at home with my kids during the day or um I'm just a stay-at-home mom or or other people will say it and Han said something like that in passing like oh you're just at home with the kids and I was like don't you say just and also I would like you to refer to me as domestic goddess in the future <laughs> but I haven't put it on a format so it's okay if you've got him saying it and it's in your heart that's that's a good yeah, start good start <laughs> we're doing well I was looking for a job this summer and so in, when I was making my resume I was trying to decide how I could put the skills that I have from being at home down without being like, oh, I'm just a mom. And so um, I kind of Googled it too and decided that I was a home manager. And so I had my home management skills section because I really, I mean, I'm, I am very organized and I'm good at um, like assigning duties and, and there's just lots that I have acquired because I'm a mom that stays at home with my kids and that I've really perfected, like, yes, not that I'm perfect, but in a sense that I could go into a workplace and run it efficiently because of what I do at home with my children. And so I wanted that to like, to mean something. And so that's how I put it on my resume, just a home manager. I like that. I like that maybe even a little better than my domestic goddess idea because like the goddess kind of reminds me of like I picture Rihanna all sparkly or like someone, <laughs> someone more sparkly than me for sure. <laughs> and the home manager, I feel like that's, yeah, that's a good one because it kind of fills the very active role that I was talking about like this. Um, and also I just really like that, that when you say home manager, it's just, I don't know how to say that. It's like something that we take seriously. I guess, I guess it's the best, the best way to say it is like, sometimes I really feel like I did an awesome job, but no one knows. And I don't know. I just feel like we need to, we need to be able to own a title in order to sometimes feel like I rocked it. I'm doing amazing. I'm a good home manager today. Yeah. <laughs> Look at my home management skills. I made bread and muffins and didn't. You know, none of my kids got sick today. Like, I don't know. Win. <laughs> yeah, I feel like, and it's probably going to be different for every person. Just like, I'm not going to have, I'm, you're not going to name your house Rosalie Cottage. You're, maybe you're going to call yourself something different. But I think it's worth considering. What do I want my job title to be? Because you get to pick. That's, how often do you get to pick? Like, do you just get to decide what your job, job description is? I think that is... And that's so much of being at home. Why do we keep saying at home? We're not always at home, are we? I don't know. How do you describe that? Being a home manager. Let's just use Elizabeth's yeah. title from now on. That's what we are. Um, so much of that really has to do with autonomy. Because honestly, there are very few other jobs in that job description box where you have as much autonomy as you do as as a home manager as a mother right yeah um because you get to decide if you're going to 
you know, take your kids to the park or if you don't like taking kids to the park and instead you're going to read them books at home and you get to decide if you're going to make bread today or if you're never going to make bread. Yeah, and it sometimes changes on a daily basis. You can kind of assess, like, what is the climate of my home right now? And there have been days where, you know, we're, we're homeschooling with Hiram for grade one right now and there have been days where we've all piled into bed and just read books for hours and just gone through and other days where we're out because we're feeling really energetic and we want to be in the coolies or out in nature for long periods of time and we try to stick to a routine but sometimes we throw it out the window and that's like there's no punch clock there's an insane amount of work that has to be done and it's really overwhelming but we get to decide exactly how it's being done in what order um with our spouses to kind of like make sure it's all working for everyone and obviously hopefully with your children too as they get older but really as the primary person at home you get to make a lot of those calls just on your own and that's something I've really been trying to figure out lately because um my husband loves things really clean he's kind of like obsessive about that and so I used to just like clean everything so that it would be good enough for him right and that like after five years like was driving me insane okay and uh, he was he you know was off work for a a huge chunk of time so he was home all the time so it had to be clean all the time it wasn't like I could even just (laughs) clean it before they get home yeah yeah I used to just like (laughs) four o'clock it's time to clean make the dinner so when he comes home everything's perfect yeah and uh so I just have started lately maybe I'll wash the dishes but I'll see all the toys on the floor and decide no tonight's not the night for that I'm gonna read a book or some days I'll be and I'll tell him like I decided not to do that tonight like that that was my choice and sometimes I'll be you know cleaning up the toys really well but decide to leave the dishwasher and all the dishes and because because I like I can I have that autonomy and I love that yeah and the cool thing about that too is like you get to see someone's needs and like my husband's the same way. The, the greatest gift that I can give to him when he comes home or really at any time, like even if he's busy working on the house, he'll say, honestly, I'd rather even than you helping me, I'd rather you just make sure things are organized as I'm working so that I'm not stressed about the chaos. I'm not complete opposite. If I'm working, I just like make as much chaos as possible and then I clean it up afterwards. But he likes, he's very linear and he likes his working environment to be very clean and orderly. And so it's cool to be able to see that need and that desire from your spouse or needs from your children, but then do the problem solving yourself and come to a solution completely yourself. Like for the cleaning thing for me, um, I found a cleaning list super helpful. So this is, um, I actually follow someone called Mama Waters. Her name is Amanda Waters on Instagram. And so I use a modified version of her list that she has in her blog. And you do kind of like focus on one or two things each day. And she sets like an attention for each day. It's beautiful. She's just a beautiful person. Um, But it's nice to be able to say, okay, this this is the day that I do floors. And so... Thursday is floor day, which means that they're going to be a little messy on Wednesday or a lot messy. Even Tuesday, that might be a little bit bad. Um, But I'm not going to get the vacuum out and clean every single floor until Thursday because that's my day. And so it kind of allows me and also hands too to be like, okay, I know these floors are getting cleaned, even if they're not super clean right now, but also I can't clean the house for four hours a day. Like that's just not, that's not what I want. That's not what either one of us wants for our kids or for our home really so 
I've been doing the same thing. I started in about September and I have only one chore a day. I mean, obviously, well, not obviously, but I do try and like clean the dishes in the morning and in the evening and put away whatever, you know, the toys yeah. the kids have taken out. You but, have your like daily things and then. Yeah. But I usually have like one thing a day and that way the kids can actually help me with it. Like on Thursdays we mop and when we mop, we do a soggy sock hop where we all like put on like old socks and like dip our feet in the mop water and like dance around to music and then take a towel and dry it by like sliding them around on their bums and and so it's just a way that, A, we can know when the next thing is happening and they can also look forward to cleaning and we all get to do it together because it's only one chore. Whereas if, like when I was a kid, I would be like, okay, it's Saturday. We have to clean the whole house. Yeah. And what and an that's overwhelming. overwhelming. <laughs> At this point, you are probably so filled with new ideas and new insights and you just need to talk to another person about how it's all gonna go down in your life. Visit me on Instagram. I'm Jenny Bowden there as well, and I'm always happy to answer any direct messages. But while you're there, make sure you throw up a screenshot on your stories or something that'll connect your community to this podcast so that you'll always have someone to chat with about an episode that you love. Okay, now the next topic is something, I almost wanted to call this codependency, but Elizabeth had another way of looking at that. It was kind of just this question I had over the tendency we have as moms to kind of like hover over situations or maybe even take, like take them too personally or... Internalize. Internalize more than we need to. And I was kind of like, just anyways just tell us some of your wisdom on that because well you mentioned specifically when we were talking earlier about one of your kids getting upset at another kid and like running into his room and slamming the door and how yeah. you thought well you're not a two-year-old and so you, so he shouldn't be doing that but at the same time you're like so sad that he's doing that and that maybe yeah and it have... kind of just wrecks your I don't know like that the next hour for me after a situation like that happens with one of my children for me is just like I kind of get deflated and I feel maybe even a little bit lethargic. Like it, yeah, I just feel like all the wind has gone out of my sails and I, I, I know that's not healthy. So tell us some of your insight on that. Well, I wanted to apply the same word that you were applying to everything else, like rebranding, right? So if you can think of that situation through different eyes, then it'll help you deal with it better. So uh, I have a daughter with severe, um, some pretty severe mental challenges. Um, she has, a lot going on and so I had to take a lot of parenting classes and read a lot of books to kind of figure out how I can best help her and best help the rest of my family as they're managing her emotional breakdowns that happen on a regular basis that are you know that seem really out of character for a child that's nine yeah and uh, and so I learned a lot about child development and how um, the, the kind of parenting style I kind of have, have leaned towards is attachment parenting. I've read some books by Dr. Gordon Newfeld and Deborah McNamara that talk about how your kid's brain isn't even fully developed. Well, of course it's not fully developed. They're a child. And yeah. especially what's not fully developed is their front cortex, frontal cortex or, or um, you know, the lobe in the front. And so how like their right brain and their left brain aren't really connecting yet. So they don't understand mixed feelings. So they can't say to themselves in the very exact same moment that they're saying, I'm really angry. They can't also say, I know I shouldn't hit my sister. Like, so after they've hit their sister, the thought might come into their brains. Oh, uh Oh, like 
now she's hurt and now she's sad and I feel bad or right. I feel like I'm going to get in trouble and I'm worried or whatever. But like they can't in that same moment have any other feeling. It's, it's yeah. one at a time. It's all consuming. Yeah. Whereas for us adults, we have mixed feelings. We can say, you know, I'm excited for this new job, but I'm also a little worried about this new job and these are the reasons and um, we can have these mixed feelings. So it's our job to kind of like teach our children those mixed feelings and allow them to have it. And But if we internalize it and are like, you know, let ourselves be deflated by the fact that they're constantly, like for me with my child, she's constantly getting upset. She's she's very sensory stimulated and overstimulated. And so, you know, she'll touch like someone's velvet dress and not know that it's velvet and then just like freak out and sob. And so if I internalized all those things, I'd be carrying so much weight every day. Yeah. So instead I say to myself, you know, she doesn't have that, like those mixed emotions and she doesn't understand like her sensory regulatory system and so I just give her the words that I can give her so you know when she hits her sister I say oh you feel so angry that your sister took your Barbie out of your hand but you also love your sister and you really are sad when she's sad and you're sad when she's hurting and you don't want to hurt her right and so I just put the words in her mouth and and that kind of lets me not feel the guilt for it because she's saying it like or like you know I'm saying it for her because I have to give her the words but yeah but I can understand that it's like rebranding the situation it's a different situation than what it would be otherwise if I was like oh I'm a terrible mother because my child always is hitting her sister or or always insert the blank right like those behaviors that seem to happen over and over again not eating vegetables not whatever like my middle child never eats dinner pretty much like we sit at the dinner table she eats lunch and breakfast but I don't know. I guess she's just like too tired by that time in the day and she just sits there and like fidgets. <laughs> and she'll sometimes say, "Let's just chat today." <laughs> just so cute and so Emery. But the thing is that yeah, you just can't like it's we just have to make sure we separate ourselves from our children in that way too and like it's okay. I love it's that totally example okay. you gave of your daughter because Like, that's like rebranding dinner time, right? One of the things they talk about in these books is how, like, play is so important for a kid's development. And so how parents, like, look at mealtime at, like, a chore to be getting done because we come to the dinner table to be together and to finish the food that's on our plates. Yeah. Whereas a child is looking at everything through playful eyes. So for her, this is an experience to be with you and chat. It's not necessarily to finish the food and to, like put a check mark on this task. No. And I've really had to like reach, change my perspective about dinner because I have two kids that don't eat dinner. And and it used to just be like this huge chore, but now I just like, I let it be. I try and make sure that they eat before or after and I give them what they, I can give them. And then I just sit with them and make it an enjoyable experience. And I have found that the more enjoyable the experience, eventually if the food is on their plate in front of them, they start eating it. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Which this seems obvious looking back, but it's so it's so true. We just can't beat ourselves up about situations like that. Like it, we just have to. Oh, and I wanted to say too that, um, kind of along those lines of that rebranding and creating that distance, I just I've made it a, like a life changing discovery with my parenting lately, and I'm sure. Any of you moms and dads can relate to this of that sometimes you feel like a referee when you're home with your kids. That there's always someone telling you, mom, so-and-so did this, mom. And it's like every five seconds, right? That it just, or if they're too young to be saying mom, they're still doing it without words. 
And so I learned this, what it's called the couples dialogue, right? In, yeah. um, in counseling with hands. And it was the best tool that I've ever discovered. Um, yes. All the listeners should look it up. It's by John Gottman and it's on his website. It's okay. So good. Seriously. Yeah. If you haven't used this before and you probably haven't, cause I had never even heard of it before, but it is, oh my goodness. And, and I've, I think I've seen versions of this. Like if you read, um, what is it? Um, Stephen Covey, Seven Habits of Highly Effective Families. He has a chapter called Seek First to Understand. And there's similar patterns in it, but this is like, it just hit home. And when you actually use this dialogue, your marriage will change over time as you get good at it anyways. Um, But basically, I realized one day, as my son was saying, oh, Emery did this, and she hit him or something, And I all of a sudden looked at him and it was like this light bulb moment where I was like, why are you, why are you telling me? (laughs) Like, why are you telling me this? Where I realized I've been dealing with a problem and internalizing problems and like feeling guilty about problems that have nothing to do with me. That's between you and your sister. Your sister wronged you in some way or made you feel wronged and now it's your job to sort that out. And so it's really simple. I just tell my children that when someone does something that's, that's wrong to them, um, they look them in the eye, get their attention, and say their name. So he would say, Emery, when you hit me, it makes me feel and insert like, and they always say sad. <laughs> <laughs> they haven't evolved to use other but it does. It makes them feel sad. And so, and then I realized that I needed to use the other component of the couple's dialogue, which is to validate. Because if we, we just did that at first, and sometimes there would, well, often there would still be fighting afterwards because they would say, Hiram would say, Emery, when you do that, that makes me feel sad. And then she'd say, but when you do this, it makes me feel sad. Or she would talk about what he just did that made her hit him or want to hit him and so it's really really important that then as soon as he's finished I kind of nudge her okay now validate and she says something that's validating to him it might be specific about the hitting I'm sorry I hit you because you're a good brother but usually it's not like for them at their level it's usually just kind of like I love you and you're a good brother and that's enough for them. And then if the other child has something they want to bring up, now they can bring it up, but it's in a safe place. They feel, they both feel safe and they both kind of remember how much they love each other. And then it's like complete and total resolution. Whereas if I try to get in there and it's just not even, not even close to how effective it is for the two of them to deal with it. I love, I love that you're modeling that for them. Like, cause that is your role, right? That that's how you are involved in this. When he comes to you and is like, mom, it's because your job is to like teach them those things, right? So right. you're teaching them, you're sitting beside them and you're walking them through the process because they're going to do it a hundred million times and they're not going to remember it the next time. And eventually they will when they're like nine or 10 or 11 or 12 or however old, but it's not going to be right away. And so you have to walk them through all those steps. And, and I love that you came up with it for your kids to use with each other. Cause I had thought of it 
to use with my daughter, my, my oldest, who the one with special needs, I would think up to myself, like eventually I realized, I'm not, like she'd come up to me and be like, blah, 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 blah. she has so much to say, and it'd be exhausting because it'd be bedtime, and I'd be like, just go to bed, just be quiet, like yeah. this is the end. And I found that if I can just spend a little bit of time at some point, uh, or as often as I can, to like re- repeat back to her what she said, like, oh, is, oh, so th- this is what you're saying? Is there more? And yes. then to say, like, just to validate that feeling, like when she's like, oh, Mara always steals my toys, and like, I don't like sharing my toys with her, to be like, oh, you don't like sharing your toys with your sister. I remember not liking sharing my toys with my sister. I know what that's like. Yeah, and not to just brush them off. Yeah, that's so valuable. What was the name of the... John Gottman, The Couple's Dialogue. Okay, yeah, make sure you look that up. I'll try and put it somewhere in the notes, maybe. But, okay, yeah, seriously, if you can get one thing from this podcast. Okay, last point that I kind of went to with this was, um, I think this comes from Brene Brown, I'm not sure. It was my sister-in-law, Allie, talked about a book that she read about parenting and she just said that when you see your child make sure you greet them basically with all the love that's inside of you and like with no other agendas in that moment and I thought that was so good it's hard to do it though isn't it like you you know it because Elizabeth you said you do something similar yeah, I the book I read, the books I've read about parenting talk about like collecting your child with an eye, your eyes, a smile, and a nod before you direct. So collect before you direct. That's like the the thing. Yeah. And so you know they walk into a room and rather than saying go brush your teeth or are your teeth brushed, you collect them like you smile at them and you give them a little nod or you know some sort of facial recognition gesture and and smile with your eyes even you know. Yeah. And then like pause. There's a, a moment of time. You don't just immediately give the direction then you're like oh did you brush your teeth and I find that doing that allows me to say it with a different tone of voice than I would say it otherwise so like oh totally yeah and to me that's that's like a revolutionary concept when she told me about that because I don't know I think there's something in me anyways that feels like if I'm not like directing you immediately to the thing that you were supposed to do or something that we're we're this is a failure here. Like we need to get back to it. This is business. You know, I'm a home manager, which is a serious job. So make sure you brush your dang teeth. And time management. You know, you have a, <laughs> yeah. you have a plan. You're going to do your podcast at eight after they go to bed. They got to be in bed at seven or yeah. whatever. But do I have 20 extra seconds? Always. Like it doesn't take long. It doesn't take long to appreciate and love your child when they walk into a room. Never. And, and oh, what a good skill to like develop in life. I just feel like this is what culture, like culturally, we have just developed this, you know, we're trying to make time go faster and we're trying to get things done. And so we're not doing this really with anybody. And so acknowledging anybody, maybe you don't have like the same amount of huge love that you have for them as you have for your child, but, but like just acknowledging somebody first before telling them what your demands are, which sometimes we do. Like we walk into a place where we need to sign a form or something and we smile at the receptionist and she smiles at us and there's some nice banter before we tell them what we need yeah Um, but we don't do it all the time and with everyone and like we should mostly do it in our home with the people we love the most and that we're trying to raise up to be great human beings I know one of when Hans and I got married I remember feeling like one of my biggest concerns of like what our marriage would turn into and become I was just so worried that at some point 
he would hear me say his name or like talk to him across the room or something and he would feel like a sense of dread like oh she's gonna ask me to do something or like oh now the fun's over or insert whatever I just never wanted him to feel like my presence was like a burden to him or I don't know dreadful yeah and the same thing goes for my children too but at the same time sometimes we're our own worst enemy in that, like in creating that. Oh, I'm sure that my kids often, you know, <laughs> dread, oh, it's like seven o'clock and mom's coming into my room and she's going to tell me to turn off my light. And, you know, there is a sense of dread there. But um, but if we can also make as many moments as we can where, where it's the opposite of that. Yeah, and where you not. actually like, we're talking about having joy at home and enjoying this, this life that we've chosen and this calling as mothers. And what better way to do that than actually reveling in the love that you feel for your child or your spouse or, you know, like to actually enjoy that moment of them coming to a room. I have a hard time enjoying those moments lots or like I have traditionally had, but tonight I was putting my baby to bed and he fell asleep in my arms and he hasn't done that in so long. And he's my last baby. It'll be like one of the last times. And I just like sat there for a half an hour with him, like just holding him and just loving him and thinking about the fact that this would be like one of the last times, you know, and, and just giving, even though he's like too young to really, like, I'm not going to, I mean, and he's asleep. So it's not like I can be like, Hey buddy, I love you so much. Yeah. It was important for me. Oh, and important for him too. Like, even though he's asleep. Yeah. (laughs) But important for you to be able to feel those feelings, like the effect that that will have on your relationship as you go through life, I think is so, so far reaching. Mm-hmm. And so I, I love that. But then we also need to remember to have like that patience with ourselves, right? Because we're not like that mom that's holding our child and lovingly thinking of them all the time. We're like well, some, sometimes pulling out our hair. And sometimes sometimes just, you gotta make dinner. Like people yeah. need to eat. And they're just like screaming at you and like pulling knives off the kitchen counter and like <laughs> freaking out while you're trying to make dinner. And then you finally get dinner made and everybody hates it. Yeah. And they're spitting it on the table and throwing <laughs> it at each other. And you're like... What? Oh, being a home manager sucks. <laughs> <laughs> but everyone's job sucks sometimes. It does. It really does. And that's something I think that really helped me to realize that it's okay to be at home is that like I, I had a day at work that was really hard and a person I was dealing with at work that was hard and I thought no job is idyllic. There is always like the grass is always greener on the other side, right? And Or idyllic always. Yeah. So you yeah. can like look for the joy in the job that you're doing and enjoy the things that you can enjoy and be the best that, that you can be in the, the areas that you want to be, but allow things to also just be awful and then you try and get better and then it's awful and you get better. And for me, the biggest thing is just that I'm constantly headed in that upwards path, right? Like so that Mm -hmm. my good times are better than my last good times, even though there was a bad time in between. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. And I think that like that whole just being patient with yourself part applies to so many different things. But one area that's really important to remember, like when we talk about parenting strategies for example, greeting your, the way we greet our children or whatever it is. Like you could make a list so long of all the things you want to change right now about the way you manage your home. Um, but it's so important to pick up one thing at a time. Like I'm just going to, that's something that I've really learned, but was affirmed, um, by listening to Rachel Hollis and her podcast. Okay. Like we don't have to 
pick up five things, 10, 15, just one, just one change at a time. And the thing that's powerful for, for me with that is that when I drop it, when crazy things happen and I drop that goal that I was working on for maybe a day, maybe it's a few days, you kind of have like a fumble with it. It's really easy to pick one thing back up, but it's really hard to pick five things back up. And so, yeah, when we're talking about having joy at home, I think that's really important. Go home, write a list, put 15 things on it, but only circle one and take a long time to really work on that skill and make it a part of you before you go to the next one. Yeah, about seven or eight years ago, I got divorced and um, was a single mom and just like thrown right into this tricky situation. And I remember just being extremely depressed and like pretty much doing nothing. And my mom would like wake me up and be like, okay, it's time to nurse the baby. And now it's time to feed yourself so that you can nurse the baby. And now it's time to put the baby down for a nap. And she would like guide me through all these things until I was able to get back on my feet. And even when I sort of was on my feet, I took, I, I eventually like just had this real big prompting that I needed to write down like the five most important things to me that I could change. And so I did. And then I chose one of those things to work on. And um, it was like the the first thing for me was that I needed to get more sleep. And so once I noticed that I started getting more sleep and felt like I was really getting into the habit of like going to bed on time and waking up at a good time, then I added like I started taking vitamins that helped me to feel better. And then once I was taking these vitamins, then I started eating better, which also helped me to feel better. And that like Um, you know, I started like doing more meditation and like scripture study and things that helped me to feel better. And slowly these five things just like really lifted me up to this place where I could manage everything that I had to manage. And I felt like, like, I mean, obviously there were still bad days where I just had to do like tons of paperwork or had to go to court and it was miserable and sad, but I was able to do it because I had these like five stable things in my life that were helping like my mental health. And, Mm -hmm. and like my, also like my routine, like just having this thing that I did, this is, this is when I eat breakfast and this is when I eat lunch and this is when I go to sleep. That's so good. And it sounds like the way you described them, it sounds like those five things gradually over time really sunk into your heart and soul. Like they became part of you, which is like all of a sudden then it's not a goal anymore. It's just something that you do and, and you don't have to work to pick it back up. It just is right? Like it's something that you long for and that you just need to go back to, which is really cool. I love that. Okay. Last thing. Elizabeth and I both, she shared this super amazing. Okay. When I first looked at it, I did not necessarily like, I trusted you, but I saw the front of it and it's like, what was, um, the Thomas Jefferson education and then inspire, or I think it's called like learning um, love of learning the love of learning or the core of learning or like something it like has that. a super long it's a really long title title that yeah. doesn't sound appealing really at all no. and the picture isn't appealing it's like this couple from the 80s or something yeah and they look like when you look at them you're like yeah they don't have anything <laughs> to valuable tell to tell me it's not terrible it is but I thought the same thing <laughs> Elizabeth gives this to me and I couldn't listen to it because I had a CD player. I didn't have a CD player and it was a CD and so I needed to acquire it. And finally I listened to it and it was the best thing ever. And one of the things that I wanted to talk about when it comes to being home with your kids, being a home manager, is this concept that they bring up called inspire, not require. 
why don't you tell us a little bit about it? Oh, I just like they're homeschoolers and I'm, I'm actually not a homeschooler, but I just appreciate homeschooling type things. And cause I feel like it's more of a, to me, it's more of a family culture. And I feel like that's what they explained in this book Right, is like a way to create a family culture in your home. That is the culture that you want. So like one thing that they did is they got like a fireplace and, and that's like how they heat their home. And so yes. then in the evenings, everyone naturally gravitates towards the fireplace. And if mom and dad are sitting down reading a book, then they kind of naturally will pick up a book themselves. Or if mom and dad are laughing about a book that they're reading, then they're like, Oh, Hey, like what, what's funny. And then she's like, Oh, here, let me read it to you from the beginning. And so then they're like, they have this like culture of like reading in their home. And I loved that. But there were so many other things, and one of the things was inspire, not require. And, and I guess that's kind of it, like, right? Inspiring your children to want to read because you're reading. Yeah. And, or, or because, like, so then they get, like, this, like, you know, that, that excitement about, oh, yeah, I want to know what the joke is. I want to be in on it. So tell me, Mom, and, like, cuddle up with you. And they maybe they're playing with their trains at the same time, and so they're not totally listening. But they're in and out, and they're gathering something, and they're building this, like, family culture, right? And, and, and so I've just been trying to do that with my kids, like, like doing more things myself has made them more interested in other things and wanting to learn themselves. Yeah, and the the woman, the mother in the episode is like a concert pianist or or she was in another world. And <laughs> she talked about how the best way you can get your kids excited about music, involved in music, like be, to become musicians eventually is to be musical yourself. Even if you aren't yet, go take go take a piano lesson. You talked about your yeah. voice lessons so right I, now. I was looking for ways to, to be more joyful in my life and other things to do. Because pretty much for the last five years, I haven't really had anything outside of being a mom. Yeah. Uh, like being a home manager. That, that Which was is hard it. when your kids are so little, right? Yeah. And so this year, I really changed a lot of things. I, I ran for town council and I was elected. So I'm doing that. And I you know, was try, I, trying to pick up other things. So like I learned how to ferment food and how to make yogurt and trying to learn how to make sourdough bread and and those kinds of things but I also decided to do voice lessons because well my mom was like peer pressuring me into it she was like you love singing and you used to do this when you were a kid you should do it again I met this great vocal teacher I'll pay for your first couple of lessons and so eventually I was like like it took her years to convince me <laughs> but isn't that so important to list like sometimes we need that in our lives we need people saying you like this or you're good at this to actually remember yeah. or to know that about ourselves yeah and I don't like being pushed into things but I really think I did appreciate when she would say like you're really good at this I love hearing you sing uh, like made me feel like oh like I have something to offer or like maybe I could do this or whatever so anyways I took started taking voice lessons and I loved it like the first day I came home just like singing and just so excited because just in the very first lesson he taught me so much that like I went from like I don't know if I was like a two then I went to like a seven like it was this huge leap and so I was really excited about it and so I sang a lot and my kids heard me singing and they asked why I was singing and I said well I'm practicing for my voice class and they were they wanted to learn the song with me and they wanted me to practice every day so that they could hear this song and they asked for the songs at bed at night and they asked if they could take voice lessons right so it was all inspiring not requiring I never yeah. said hey you should take voice lessons I just did it myself and now they all want to do it and what a great I love that because I always I played the violin when I was younger and I haven't touched a violin in years barely because it's such a hard instrument, especially any instrument I feel like is hard to play with little, little kids around because as soon as you start playing it, they're right literally on top of you just, and violins are 
they're fragile. So, and the last thing I want to do when it's eight o'clock and finally my house is quiet is bust out like a piano or violin. Like, no, we're going to maintain the silence. Thank you very much. But I love the voice lessons because you can do that. That's, that's just you. You can do that all day long. In the van, yeah. when I'm doing the dishes, you know, when that I'm putting them great. to bed, you know, and sometimes when I'm by myself, I want it to be quiet and other times then I can fill it with music. And, and I do love that there's not this physical instrument because I have, you know, in the past, like played the ukulele, played the guitar, played the piano and my kids wreck things. They wreck they them. They do. They break everything. And like pianos, they like come up and like sit on the piano and I'm like yep. trying to write a song and they're sitting on my hands and I'm like... You know, I don't want to put in more and then things fighting. that make me frustrated. <laughs> but singing doesn't make me frustrated. They all join in and they're all excited. That is so great. I need to take voice lessons. It's official. Right? I know. Or at teacher. least <laughs> sing during the day. Like, you know, yeah. Well, you can start. even just decide, I'm going to learn this song and tell your kids, I'm working on this song right now. And that way it is like voice lessons for you if you didn't want to like pay for it or something. You don't have to pay for everything. Yeah. You just do it yourself. Yeah. Just do it. That's what the podcast is about, right? Okay, we need to end because we've yeah. talked forever. Sorry. This has been amazing. <laughs> I really like you and I'm glad we did this. Yes, I like you also. I'm so <laughs> glad you moved closer. I was about to say love, but it felt like too strong. But I, I do love you. I love you too. And I all the time like accidentally say I love you to the mailman and, you know, everybody. <laughs> so I'm a little, yeah, I'm a little, I, I wanted to say I'm free and easy with that term, but also it's because I actually do, you know, like I just yeah. love the time we got to share and I really appreciate it. Thank so thanks you. for coming thanks out. Thanks for inviting me. Mm-hmm.